Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. This is the Living It Up podcast where we explore the changing landscape of competitive golf. In this episode, we talk about the aftermath of the U.S. Senate testimony and document dumps and Rory bags the Scottish Open to be the king of all national opens. But first, this episode is brought to you by B. Dratty, the leader in performance golf apparel. B. Dratty makes the softest polos you'll ever wear, as well as ridiculously comfortable quarter zips, shorts, t-shirts, and even boxers. Their colors and fabrics are naturally aged by the salt of the ocean for that perfectly lived-in vibe. Head to bdratty.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. This is Brian. I am joined by George and PJ Tour winner Billy Hurley III. Let's kick it to you, George. What do you make of Rory winning yet another National Open? Uh, you'd say horses for courses or opens, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I, I mean, look, someone who kind of has not been the biggest Rory supporter, uh, the dude went out and just took it. Uh, McIntyre went out and shot a 64. The Effectively, you'd call it the hometown kid, uh, the actual Scott goes and gets it. And he, I mean, he does it in an amazing fashion, hits a drive that should be off the planet in 98% of golf courses literally lands in a walking path. So he has a great lie when he should be, you know, off the planet, then hits a ridiculous cut five wood to about six feet makes the birdie. I think they said at the time he was the only birdie on 18 that day to take the lead. And then, you know, Rory, when he did that, I think Rory was on 14 or 15. Um, he missed a birdie putt, so he gets par. Birdie 16. Uh, no, take that back. He parred 16, the par five. So it was like, oh, he's going to birdie the 16. He parred 16, and we're like, okay, cool. Like, maybe we get a playoff. We'll see what happens. Maybe he can't get there. Hits an absolute missile right into uh, 17, par three, for not tapping, but makes the putt. And then on, on 18, he hits, I think he said it was a two iron into the wind, out of a divot, you know, add the lore. I'm sure as the week goes on, it'll be, you know, six other things. But yeah, I think he hit that one again to six, eight feet and he made the putt. And so he went and won it. It it was awesome. I mean, it, you could see McIntyre was pretty gutted. Um, I think he, I mean, the way he was acting, it was kind of weird because you've seen these guys when you, you know, who, who are in the clubhouse, and you've got Roy McIlroy behind you, so you know this guy can score. And he's just sort of hanging out, like, having chips, watching it on the screen. He's not making any move to go to the driving range, stay loose, anything. And then I think Roy birdied 17, and that's when he's like, oh, I guess I should go start getting loose just in case. And then he birdied 18, and, like, he was pretty visibly gutted. Um, but you didn't hear how happy he and the Scots were because the sound cut out when he made his putt on 18 so um kind of the the broadcast had some there there are some criticisms that can go out for the broadcast today yeah i definitely have some criticisms of the broadcast but first i wanted to hit some of the highlights i mentioned before we hit record that i think for me rory mcelroy leads in like strokes gained of loops of shots that i just want to watch over and over again and his shot into 18 i want to say the number was a little over 200 yards maybe 205 210 into a stiff breeze and hits what looks like a, you know, sort of a driving iron two iron, like you said, George, that just had the most pure trajectory you will ever see going into that green. And it's one of those ones where 
I saw two angles on Twitter. The one was behind and you just see the piercing trajectory. And the other one was looking from like, you know, sort of the back edge of the green. And you're just watching this ball come at you like a, a literal piss missile. And it was just awesome to see that. And I mean, uh, uh, tip tip of the hat to him when he is on. I don't think there's a, a more sort of fun player to watch when they're just like pumping it down the line. So uh, I was I was a little bit gutted for uh, for big Bob McIntyre there, you know, not getting it done in front of all of his countrymen. But uh but tip of the hat to, to Rory, he went out and got it. Yeah, this becomes like the the National Open king now, Rory McIlroy. You know, you know, he's got the obviously the the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, and then the Irish Open and the Canadian Open, and now the the Scottish Open. I guess he's the they. I I, uh, I think it was Amanda Renner at you know in kind of the greenside interview made him aware that he was the first player to win the open championship, the Irish open and the Scottish open. And um, it was surprising to me that he didn't know that um, because it was kind of posted everywhere of going into like the next day that he could, could become the first one to, to do that. But he seemed like genuinely like elated about that. Right. I mean, I think that um, stuff like that genuinely matters to Rory, it, it, it seems. And so he, uh, he even admitted that in that same interview that, you know, national opens have become a thing that he cares about. He's, he's proud of having, you know, won a bunch of them. So I don't know what that means for the Asian tour. If he's going to, you know, play the, the, the Thai open and the the Japanese open going, going forward, if he's going to get some, uh, they get some star power, you know, over there. So, so he can put, put more national opens on his resume, but definitely, you know, gutted for McIntyre, great playing, but when the guy who is the best on the planet when he's on that's Roy McIlroy right now you know when he birdies the last two to to take it from you I don't think you can feel bad about yourself for McIntyre yeah um and it actually come to think of it now if you add the Canadian Open Rory basically has everything that remains of the you know the, the British kingdom I think uh you know isn't the queen still on some of the money in Canada so he's really He's made the crown proud, so we should all tip our tip our cap even even more to him. And I think like I don't know, I mean anyone who's a who cares about their sport when you find out like, hey, here's a weird factoid in our history, and you're the only guy that's done it. I think anyone's got to be like, yeah, it's pretty cool. I I'm stoked that I I did that. Now I will say this: when we call this the Scottish Open. How open was this? It's an elevated PGA Tour event done in conjunction with the DP World Tour. I was it open in the sense that like there were four spots open for qualifying or were there 50 spots? I, I feel like open may be a very liberal word here for this event. That's fair. I mean, much like the Canadian Open is a PGA Tour event with 20 Canadians, you know, they kind of they they fill the field and that's not even... I think they have some qualifying that 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 occurs earlier in the year to to garner some of those spots, but they're also like given away a sponsor's exemption, some of them to kind of Canadian tour and some of them to, you know, uh, up and coming players that are Canadian and, and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of even sponsors exemptions that fill the field with Canadians at the Canadian open. So I think uh, that's, that's a total fair criticism of, is it a, is it an open in in that sense in the same way we think about the u.s open and the open championship being that there's a path to qualify that has meaningful spots available um i don't actually know the scottish open qualifying system if they're you know it's a, it's, it's basically a european tour event 
co-sanctioned with the PGA Tour. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And shout out to uh, David Lingmurth, who has been lost in the woods. Um, I think his fifth place or T4, I, I heard, got him uh, into the open. Yeah, T3, but yeah. Oh, that's right. Tom Kim absolutely exploded on the 18th. Yeah, I was going to say the other notable thing for Rory is he makes putts on 17 and 18, kind of makes the putts when he has to to win, while Tommy Fleetwood and Tom Kim are are like imploding around him and just – you know, you hate to make it all about money or, you know, points at that point, but they were just sort of, you know, leaving money in points with, with each passing putt that they they let drip by. And one of the things that I thought was kind of remarkable about that is they were showing Rory McIlroy kind of not even looking at their routines, not looking at where their putts were headed. And they had made a comment and I saw him embrace, uh, Rory embrace Brad Faxon afterward, who's his putting instructor. And they said that he's trying to embrace sort of a new, like, see and shoot, more athletic uh, pre-shot routine and sort of way that he goes about, you know, evaluating and then just stroking a putt. And so I thought it was interesting that like in, in one way you, you'd say, uh, you know, is this the new Rory McIlroy? He obviously didn't make a lot of putts at the U S open did not make a lot of putts at last year's open championship. And that ended up costing him the victory. You know, I wonder if being more athletic, being more just sort of like see it and shoot it is going to be the the winning formula for him. He certainly has the the strokes gained, off the tee and approach and, and around the green. Uh, is this the new putting approach that's going to be a winning combination for him? This episode is brought to you by B. Dratty, the leader in performance golf apparel. Ten years ago, B. Dratty started out on a mission to make superior performance golf polos. They traded shiny synthetic fabrics for soft organic Peruvian Pima cotton and kept the details clean and simple. Today, Bedratty still makes the softest polos you'll ever wear, as well as ridiculously comfortable quarter zips, shorts, t-shirts, and even boxers. Their colors and fabrics are all naturally aged by the salt of the ocean for that perfectly lived-in vibe. Head to bedratty.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at Bedratty for their support of the Living It Up podcast. Well, probably because the one in 18, one eighteen went in, it might be. You, you, you know, I if you if you watch the video closely, his body language says, "I think I pulled it," you, and 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 then it somehow stayed in stayed in the left half of the hole and 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 slipped in. But he did not look like he liked that putt halfway there. So um, it's it's one of those where if that doesn't go in, who knows? But since it went in you know, you stick with the routine, you stick with the, you know, the new thing that worked and found him a victory. So, you know, definitely a little different when you start talking about putting, you know, in England as well, you know, in, in kind of the UK and Scottish English courses, Irish courses as well, you, you know, greens are slower, um, more imperfections than, than the American PGA tour course. So I think that's a strategy that works quite well from from an, a Scottish Open and, and heading into the Open Championship um, coming up because there just are more putts where you actually hit good putts that that don't go in. In in America on the PGA Tour, most weeks, not every week, but most week, if you hit a good putt, it goes in. Like if you hit the right putt, it goes in. More so Scottish Open, Open Championship coming up, that's that's less of the case for, for those events with with the greens just a little bit you know more bumpy and slower yeah they showed a uh, a highlight of the uh, putts going in and it literally right left left 
right, right, left, left. And it just it hit the middle, but it went every side of the hole between putt to finish. And I think it was only maybe an eight footer. And it was just kind of reminds you like Poa, just bouncing around, like staying between the plinkos and it, it sort of got there. To to your point, Brian, if if Roy's embracing sort of this more like see it, feel it, hit it thing, A maybe I have to reevaluate who some of my favorite players are because that sounds exactly like the opposite of aim point. And I might have to be all in because immediately the pace of play sounds exciting. Uh, so I, I love to hear this, but then the other thing I think back to, and again, we've all talked about Roy's drought on majors, you know, he ripped off a bunch when he was effectively a kid. And, you know, since then he's been lauded in some circles and now, you know, because the world is, you know, everything levels out. People are kind of bashing him for being so cerebral and thoughtful that maybe he is, and I, I've said it many times, maybe he is just like going just for like, man, I'm effing Roy McElroy. No one can keep up. And, you know, like keep it simple, step up, smash it, hit the shot, move on. Because when he was young and vibrant and athletic, um, even though kind of younger Rory had not found the gym the way mature Rory has. I mean, his gear was something no one else could keep up with. I think most of his majors were at least by, you know, three, four strokes. The U S open was by eight. The PGA I think was by eight. Like the dude had the extra extra and maybe they've been able to figure out like, screw it. Enough of this. I'm the thoughtful thinker person. Let me just go play golf because my golf is better than anybody else's. If I have the stat right, Rory has never won a single digit under par winner. Like so he's he, in 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 a tournament where the winner is single digits, Rory has not won. So um I think while that stat is true, he could have won the US Open at congressional single digits because he won by a hundred, you know, shooting fifteen under or eleven under or whatever whatever it was. And um so that's kind of an interesting nuance there, right? That, that there's just something about like a uh, 15 to 22 under par number that just really suits Roy McElroy. Um, and it's a, that, and, and those are a little bit different styles of golf, right? I mean, like you, you just, when you start talking about, you know, a five under eight under winner versus a, a 18 under winner, those, the, the golf required there is slightly different um, there's more firepower required versus more, you know, conservatism and, and, and steadiness required. So Rory definitely has that firepower. And, and I think that he, he's in my mind, reaffirmed himself, uh, or reestablished himself as the, when I'm on, I'm the guy earlier in the year that that shifted to John Rahm a little bit earlier in the, in the calendar year here. And, it's now back to Roy McIlroy. Yeah, well, Roy did pass Rom in the OWGR. And it's, it's interesting you talk about Roy's, you know, he wants the tournaments that go low. And it, it is interesting because I remember Max Homa talked about kind of his approach. And when he looked at tournaments where, you know, and I'm sure every pro has done that, where they kind of look at the calendar and like, all right, here are the five or six where like, I really think this is going to suit me for whatever reason. And and he said he sat down with his caddy and it was it was tournaments where the winners were single digit under par. And he's like, those are those are the tournaments that I'm I'm the happy, I'm the most comfortable in. 
that's where we we settled in and we're like these are the tournaments i should be the most competitive and i think he is to your point all of his five or six wins have all been in that you know six to nine under realm of a of a tournament where it's you play conservative you play within yourself you you can't just go out there and you know let the fastest horse win kind of thing so I said I would come back to the broadcast, and I think uh, there's a couple things that were exceptional, I would say, in, in the wrong way about this broadcast. The, the first of which is outside of their control. They started very early today for wind. One could argue that might be a little soft, but I think they were projecting some you know, gusty winds that would have not allowed balls to stay on the greens. And so that's just a natural fact of like sort of Scottish Isles, English, you know, British Open style golf, where you know, links, 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 Ling golf and, and high, high winds don't equate to ball staying on the greens. So they made the decision to start early. So rather than coffee golf, this was like insomniacs golf, uh, on, on the East coast, certainly the West coast of the U S if you had to get up I, and watch say, it. I, I bet the Australians could never have been happier. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's amazing. Right in my, right in my wheelhouse. Prime time. But the thing that was crazy to me again is George, you mentioned a designated event. I think unless I'm off, this is a co-sanctioned co event but not a designated event. There are rumors that this could be a designated event in future years, but for now it's not one of those mandatory, you know, needs to play designated events, but it is a big deal. It's a co-sanctioned event because it's the week before the open championship. You get most of the top players coming over and trying to acclimate, you know, themselves to, to link style golf. And because it is such a, you know, quote unquote, big time event, how do you not have this live on golf channel or another channel? Like the fact that you have to, hunt around on ESPN plus and Peacock and watch this thing on like the CBS sports app is just, it's shameful to me. Like I have no other words to describe the fan experience of trying to like keep track of this event. If it's going to be a big time event for you. Yeah. And I, I will second that because when they moved this up, I think the tea times were six forty-five to eight thirty. you know, Greenwich mean time. So that's what 115 145 in the morning in the like listen we can push the legend of bagger vance off of golf channel and tommy's honor like we can we can just miss you know one of the 47 replays a week and and show live golf i i have to assume because if i understand correctly um you know golf channel is owned by the pj tour i think there is an affiliation with NBC sports. Um, so this was a CBS broadcast and I, I feel like they always show and then like, Hey, we're cutting to CBS. And I, I don't know. I, I, everyone agrees. They, they could have done it better. I, I will say to the CBS broadcast and CBS app, the second I pulled it up, it immediately recognized like the TVs in my house. and was like, which TV do you want to stream this to? So once I found it, it was fairly seamless and easy tip of the cap to those guys. Um, but I agree. Like how, how is this not on golf? Like how can golf channel not figure this out? And we hear about a million contracts and this and this and this, your only job it's in the name show golf. And you have 24 hours a day. And Oh, by the way, when we go to like the tour goes to England and all these other places, they're doing you a solid by moving it out of the way of everything else. So you really can have golf round the clock. I don't need golf central with Brandel at the desk for three and a half hours. Show me golf. 
buy the Sky Sports feed and show me that. I don't care how we get it. Figure this out. Give me the Sky Sports feed. Don't even give me Nance and the R guys. Give me the Sky Sports feed. Yeah, clearly they can't give you the Nance thing, right? Because that's a CBS deal and that's a whole, you know, whatever. But but they, they, they there has to be a better solution. What I'm more interested in, and I don't um, I don't know the answer to this, but who stood the Rev Watch on PGA Tour Live starting at 1:45 a.m.? I, I mean, who broadcast on PGA Tour Live from 2 a.m. to 9 a.m.? Like that's that's pretty incredible. I don't. I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna have to maybe ask Mark. I was gonna say you got you got to talk to Mark, see if he was actually up in his house. He's got a little studio, I think, in his his basement or something like that. Yeah, I'll tell you who's doing on on Twitter. Some of the tracker accounts were were lamenting that they were gonna have some early mornings having to uh, get up and and start doing their their tracker duties. So I'm not sure how many Twitter bucks they get paid to to go out and do that, but. Uh, the Max Homo tracker was like, I'm on a golf trap in Michigan, man. Like, I don't think we're going to do this. And people were killing him. Like, it's your one job. You're one job. <laughs> you have it's- one job. And so he was, he finally got guilted into like, all right, fine. I'm going to figure this out. The the tape delay on CBS later in the afternoon when it went from noon to three, they show the, uh, they show the pre-recorded thing made for one funny anecdote. I'll tell, I won't give any names, but one of our golf buddies was in an airport and a bunch of folks are trying to watch Wimbledon. And a guy says, oh, I want to watch the Scottish Open. And he says, Rory Birdie's the last two and he wins it. Go back to the go back to Wimbledon. So that guy was not happy. But everyone else that wanted to watch tennis uh, was was happy that he uh, spoiled the plot for him. Yeah. And shout out to uh, the British Isles and sports today because, man, that Wimbledon final was amazing. I'm trying to pack for a vacation. And I had about five hours of my life deleted because that thing was like, can't miss. There's a bunch more we could probably talk about with the Scottish Open, and we will save a number of takes for our Open Championship preview coming later. But I wanted to pivot to earlier this week, we finally had this U.S. Senate testimony uh, where we had not Jay, Jay Monahan since he was still out sick. We had not Greg Monahan or Greg Greg Norman and uh, Yasser. Uh, they, they decided that the schedules didn't allow for it, but we did have Ron Price and Jimmy Dunn testifying before the U.S. Senate doing the dog and pony show. But I think more maybe importantly was that we had this big document dump of all the discovery that the U.S. Senate was able to find, and that unearthed a, a fair number of juicy emails and you know sort of hypotheticals. There were a bunch of like you know if we did this, could we do that? Like, and, and a fair amount of people were taking some of these like proposals or hypotheticals and running with it as if like oh this is what the deal is going to be. So I just wanted to like pump the brakes on that. There were a lot of things that were floated in these in these document dumps. But it did expose a lot of the back, you know, back room, back email discussions that were going on between the PIF and the PGA Tour. I'll kick it to you, George. What did you uh, what did you take away from the Senate dog and pony show and the, and the documents that accompanied it? Well, it, dog and pony show is what it was. So that's that's the most important thing. It was uh, much ado about nothing. Um, you could argue who had the worst day. Was it you know Ron Price in the PGA Tour? Was it Senator Blumenthal who had numerous senators be like? I have no idea what golf has to do with national security, but uh, this was called and we're here today. So I guess we'll ask some questions. I honestly think gigantic missed opportunity to put like the cherry on how ridiculous this was by not sending Greg Norman. Cause he could just look him straight in the face. Like, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> you, I'm cut out. <laughs> I don't know, man. 
Uh, Mr. Norman, what would you like to say? I don't know, man. Hey, I'm look, look at the docs. I got nothing. I'm that would have been he would have, not since Ollie North. I I don't know. Not would have the testimony on Capitol Hill been as like useless as sending Greg Norman. So huge missed opportunity there. Uh, overall, there were some interesting. I mean, there was a lot. I'm trying to sort of unpack it in my head. You know, you well, had, before you unpack it, I just want to know: Does Senator Johnson have a permanent pro am spot on the on the PGA tour after after his lines of questioning to to Ron and and Jimmy? I mean, he uh, testified for him for a good five minutes. Yeah, well, that was so one of the things, and and I caught it. There was when he's going on his thing of basically being like, "You're just doing this deal. It's a deal to do a deal. We don't even know if there is a deal." There might not be like, and and who knows? There might not, you might not get a deal. What happens if you don't get a deal? And Jimmy on a hot mic, you just hear it's a problem. And that just moves on. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We just had Jimmy on a hot mic and he got caught on a couple of them. It was like a mutter, but like dad, like it's a problem. It was like, whoa, all right. Because everyone's been speculating this week. Oh, there's, you know, there's a, there's a dark horse private equity deal that's going to come in at the 11th hour and and to hear that is like i don't know man maybe there isn't because you have to imagine they reached out they turned stones to sort of figure this out as they were going down the path um so that part was interesting i i thought it was really interesting as will as woefully unprepared as senator holly was he did kind of ask the million dollar question in my one of the great questions of the day, which was in October, the PGA tour came to Capitol Hill begging us to make sure these guys can't do business here, can't be part of golf and that we have to stop it. Why do you want us to now bless it? What changed? Like, what, why are you here now? And I was like, man, that's a great one. Like that's, and that, that is a lesson I'm sure there's a million lessons in business schools and everything else that will come out of this whole debacle for the last now coming on 14 months. But that one is never, ever, ever, never go to Capitol Hill asking for something unless you know for sure you're going to get it and you know what you're going to get because they, the PGA tour just wasted so much political capital over this year with all that it was doing and if it has to go back for anything else, they're just going to be like, uh, what, what are you here for? Yeah, the, I mean, the hearing was the the nothing burger kind of in the sense that that we thought it would be right. I mean, yeah, Holly was Senator Holly was very un- underprepared um, or misinformed about PGA Tour China. Oh, so um, bad. I mean, now, I mean, he had a legitimate question. He had a legitimate. But I mean, like they haven't played there forever. I don't know about the. 20 year year agreement or, or whatever. And, 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 and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, Ron Price told, told Senator Holly, he'd get back to him on that. So I don't know, you know, if those are made public when that, that comes out, but um, the, the, the testimony wasn't, wasn't much. I mean, I, you know, it, 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 it almost turned into the Jimmy Dunn show, you know, Ron Price basically said nothing, which is why I think it was actually better for the tour that that he was there versus versus Jay. I mean, I mean, you know, we've seen press conferences where where Jay gets a little bit more flustered, easier, and um, Ron just not sure he's got a pulse 
when he when he was sitting there he, you know he just answered very matter of factly didn't get emotional um and so it's uh it's more about the documents you know brian we talked to you you mentioned the documents i think it's more about that and um i thought there were some really interesting things in in those documents um you know off off the top of my head um well real quick back to the testimony you know you did have Jimmy admit that the PGA Tour's house was on fire. Um, you know that that Liv had put the house on fire, so that's a little bit you know different than the the party line that's that's been kind of thrown around that the PGA Tour was winning and had strength and you know all those kinds of things. And so now looking at the documents, like I said, that's just there's there was so much in there that that it was all very subtle, and you had to really like want to to dig in and, and think about what these phrases actually mean and it's possible they mean nothing but it's possible that there's a lot in there that is not in the framework agreement that is kind of understood how it actually will go and and i think that the you know back to you know george you talk about the it's a problem comment not doing a deal with the piff to me is a problem and and it's a problem now for the tour because you don't want to anger the guy with infinity dollars. And and so if you're not going to do the deal and not kind of give him, you know, he doesn't kind of get Yasser doesn't get the the seat at the table. Um, then why wouldn't he just throw, you know, it. There was there was a line in one of the documents that they were prepared to invest an additional five billion in to live. The PIF was so why didn't they put twenty five billion in, and and just kind of completely overrun the PGA Tour? So I I think that the PGA Tour realized that they can tell the players like hey we we don't have to do this right like if you guys don't want us to then then we won't do it and that's been their line for the last you know two weeks or so of like it still has to pass the policy board which has five player directors it still has to go through all these regulatory hoops of the pga tour and and if and if, and if it's not a good deal for our players then we won't do it and that's been the walk back of like the surprise to the players is they they've kind of walked it back to say we don't have to do it um, you know, and and if we don't have the memberships buy-in, then then we won't do it. But that's just a joke to me. And it's just and and so while that's true, that's a true statement. What they will simultaneously do is go tell the PGA Tour players how this is the only way it works now. And so it's this is the best deal for you because this is now the only deal we have. And this is the only path forward to maintain the the level of purses and all those kinds of things. And so, I mean, that was more of the more of the the subtleties in some of those emails and some of those documents that nodded it more towards that, in my opinion. Are you insinuating that a potential multinational open winner could go to player advisory board members and say, "We have to do this, or else." Well, I think that they're all independent people, George, and they get to not make that independent that ever decisions. Before, not that that but... I don't know. It's it 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 could have happened. It might have happened. Um, yeah, will it happen again? Probably. But, but what was also interesting in these document dumps is the player who you may or may not be referencing was brought up in these. One was noted that when Rory played uh, in Dubai, that he actually met with Yasser. So that came out of the the document dump. He 
Roy's been adamant that he's never been given an offer for Liv. And so it doesn't sound like they maybe discussed or provided a written offer, but at least he discussed the possibility of, you know, potentially down the line, this, uh, this merger, if you want to call it that, or, or, you know, opportunity to have a fall series a la like the English uh, Indian premier league cricket series uh, for like international team competition. And then the other thing that was, was hinted at, and again, this was one of those like proposals for consideration. It was not like part of the framework. It doesn't sound like it will be part of the definitive agreement, but it was one that proposed that, Hey, we could give live teams to Rory McIlroy and, and Tiger Woods. Now, Rory, of course, earlier this week threw cold water on that and said that he'd rather rather retire than 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 uh, you know pick up a, a an ownership package on on live. So, uh, it was super interesting again to look at some of these proposals, to think about some of these discussions that happen behind the scenes. I think it was even more interesting looking at the document dump, like how it all got started, and it actually started with you know in late December. Uh, you know, it looks like a, a you know special envoy. This guy Roger Devlin, a British businessman, he's a uh, he, he was invited by Yasser to like kick off these negotiations with an email to Jimmy Dunn that basically was like, "Hey, private and confidential, like in the strictest of confidence, like let's let's start talking." Well, and speaking of the Jimmy Dunn show and let's start talking and some other things, one of the other, in my opinion, kind of like major pieces in these documents was you know when the framework got leaked which by the way another piece so many things just sort of got like mentioned and moved on from the pga tour admitted they leaked the document they leaked the agreement it wasn't congress that leaked it ron price admitted he leaked the the framework agreement so i'm i which is like uh dude this is all confidential that's that's a big deal now, arguably, he's like, look, it's got to Congress. It's a public document here in five minutes, so it's no harm, no foul. But the fact that like he just was like, yeah, we leaked it. And no one was like, whoa, all right, that's kind of a big deal. But, you know, and then everyone who read it was like, oh, Jay gets to decide what happens to Lib. Lib's going to die. Jay has to evaluate it. And then buried in here is Jimmy and Ed being like, we're going to run it, baby. We get to take over. And I'm like, wait a minute. Everyone who's saying lives dead, lives dead. And Jimmy Dunn, I'm not making a penny on this deal. I got no skin in this game on this deal, which I think is very important phrasing. This deal is in emails with Ed being like, we're going to run live. I'm like, well, it's obviously going to survive then because these guys who don't waste their time on turning off the lights for bad businesses are gonna make sure it goes. So the whole thing is just bananas. I, I, it literally is, I, I think everyone who thinks, the second you think you have it and the second you think it's starting to come together, the puzzle just gets ripped apart and like 30 new pieces show up on the table and you're like, oh, now we start from scratch. And I thought one other interesting nugget, again, a little bit of uh, you know fodder for for all the all the Twitter accounts out there was that, there was a request made that Yasser Al-Ramayan would become a member of Augusta National as, as part of this deal. Like sort of, yeah, and I'm also going to slide this across the table at you. I'm going to I'm going to be wearing a green jacket this time next year, just as a condition of, of all this stuff. And that's insane because, I mean, I don't, obviously will not be in front of the Augusta membership board maybe this year, next year or ever. 
But even I pretty much know how membership to clubs work. You don't, you don't be like, hey, toss me a bone. Like you get invited. Like that one is the most insane to me because I mean, Bill Gates famously had to wait and wait and wait because they basically were like, we don't care. We don't need your money. And we don't, we just want to have people we want to hang out with. Like you, you are not necessary here. And even Yasser with infinity dollars, like Augusta is one of those few places on the planet that are like, eh, don't need it. Don't care. Like, that's cool, man. Have all your toys, but like, we don't need you. Yeah, that's one of those that you just like, anybody who knows anything knows you don't say that out loud, much less write it down. I mean, like, right. I, I mean, you you effectively took the 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 0.0001% chance of Yasser ever getting a Augusta National membership and made it zero, like completely made it zero. Will never move from that line, ever. And oh, so, yeah, no way. Yeah, I mean, so it's just like why somebody looking at these you know PowerPoint slides like didn't know that and didn't go. Hey, hey, we maybe say that out loud, but we don't write it down. Like, I mean, give me a break. Well, not only that, but just who who in that room did he think could be like, hey, Fred? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, Jimmy. No, we, Jimmy can't. I, I, I know Jimmy's a thing, and Jimmy's got people everywhere. And depending who you talk to, Jimmy's been kicked out of as many clubs as he's a member of and everything else. Jimmy can't say... He gets in. Jimmy might tell people, oh, we'll get to take There's no way. I that- yeah, so I, I I mean I guess I would disagree. I think that if 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 Jimmy and Jay went to Fred and was like, hey, look, man, here's kind of what we need to do to like end this whole thing. I'm not saying it would work a hundred percent, but it'd probably have some pretty good weight. Yeah. Someone on Twitter had a great comment. That was basically like Jimmy's response have been like seminal by the end of the day. Give me a week for Shinnecock. I'm going to need some time on Augusta. <laughs> like, but to just put that in there, it's like, man, like, well, I can tell you how you don't get into Augusta. And that's pretty much like exhibit 1A, B through Z. Yeah. And, and it's interesting you noted that that part about. Ron Price saying that he leaked and and there was just so much in the document dump and in in some ways it being whatever it was 240 odd pages made it so it was like almost too overwhelming to figure out like what were the bombshells and certain things got picked up and sort of syndicated on Twitter and various tracker accounts and things of that nature. There was one thing that I thought was interesting though and it talked about there was a communication strategy because that that day June the 6th felt like a very very big scramble and it turns out when you read the communication strategy that they had planned that was indeed a very very big scramble because you know somebody was about to leak it maybe cnbc or someone else said you know well, we're running the, first, the story the, the 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 first one had it planned for the fifth and the sixth right it was supposed so, to be a so multi-day affair it was supposed to be a multi-day be... deal and they were going to announce it on the fifth and then follow up with it on the sixth and like do all this stuff and, I, and and the only thing i could think of as i was looking at that was they woke up and realized oh wait all of our players will be playing the u.s open qualifier this is actually a really bad idea, right? But then there was one more email. There was an email from uh, Michael Klein, who I guess was the like PIFs, one of their lawyers or strategists or, or whoever that said like, 
okay, but we can't hold the lid on this much longer. We got to go. Yeah, there was supposed to be this big multi-day affair. E even Fred Ridley was supposed to come in and provide like, you know, at least recorded video supporting comments. And so was Roger Goodell and the Did CEO someone, of Wall. I, I hear these things stuff. like, we're going to get Tiger to do this. We're going to get, like, we're going to have Fred, like, was any of this vetted or is this literally like comms teams pie in the sky who have no idea who these people are, right? And I don't know Fred Ridley. He strikes me as probably a very genuine, nice person who would be part and help anything. But unless he's been like briefed into this deal, which very clearly it sounds like he 100% had not been, to just out of the blue be like, hey, uh, we're going to throw you in front of a screen, throw on your green jacket, and here's what I need you to read to be like, we're really excited for this new event. Like, that's never going to happen. I, I'm just blown away by what appears to be some of like the very tone deaf and naive thoughts going into this and wondering where were they emanating from? And and a, probably a great way to summarize all of that, uh, you know, questions without good answers or, or, you know, was this thought through is I'll now say, uh, Billy, your, your commissioner returns back to work after a very lengthy delay of, you know, again, air quotes, uh, medical situation. We don't know the details. First, first day back on the job is tomorrow. Uh, what, what's, what's his first order of business? Who are the first 10 calls he's got to make? Uh, what's, what's it going to be like in locker rooms and on his, uh, on his text messages and emails tomorrow? Well, the stack of emails is going to be mind-boggling, but go on, Billy. Well, the stack of emails is going to be mind-boggling, but I think he hasn't been checking those. Seems a little silly, right? I mean, that somebody's not, I mean, like, I don't know. Um, maybe not. I mean, maybe he's totally been away. I mean, if, if he's totally been away, then he's going to have 10,000 emails, right? I mean, like, but um, what's his first order of business? Well, his first order of business broadly is to regain the trust of the players. I mean, there was much said that earlier this week, in press conferences from Scotty to Jordan to, to um, uh, Xander to, you know, you know, a good amount of people going, yeah, we've lost a little trust in Jay. Um, and many of them said it a little bit less succinct than that, but that's what it boiled down to. And, and that's fair. That's totally fair. Now, how he does that, that's, that's, I'm kind of curious, like, how is he going to do that? Right. In my, Will the membership get an email at 9 a.m. tomorrow um, with, okay, I understand George has got this cash symbol he's throwing up. Um, you know, we don't, we don't much. Reparations. So reparations. Yeah. Well, Jay doesn't have money to do that. So, you know, the thing is, is that that's, while that might be a real thing and it likely will be a real thing. And I think even in those documents, there was some mention of that, of the, like basically the, a fund being created and basically the PIF funding said fund that would change the whole thing. Right. Cause Jay doesn't have the money to, 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 to do this from, from a tour standpoint and, and can't really even do it under, under the current tour structure. Right. So it has to be from something else and we'll see where that goes. Now he can obviously create the spreadsheet that says who's going to be who and, 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 and whatever, but you know, it's an interesting week to come back. It's an interesting day to come back. I, I doubt that he travels to England for the Open Championship. I doubt that that would be the first thing. I doubt that he goes to Truckee for the Reno Tahoe Barracuda Championship. So um, it sounds like a full week, you know, to me in the office in Ponte Vedra. And, and, and well, maybe even full, maybe he's going to, you know, 
slow roll it and kind of, you know, just kind of ease his way back in, in a sense, and do, do some half days this week, since it is a week where he's not going to go anywhere. Um, in, in my opinion, I don't know if he's on a plane, you know, right now to get to, to get it's to the open summer, championship or July. not. It's, but, you know, like, is anyone doing know, full days in the office? So, well, okay. No, I mean, you know, certainly not you, George, you're going to like a ranch in the middle of nowhere for, for a week, but the, um, wait. So his, 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 his first order of business is, is obviously to regain trust, right? How does he do that? Right. And I think that the, the answer to how he does that is he starts to put flesh on this framework agreement, right? He starts to put some actual meat to what this is going to look like to, you know, how it is going to be better for players to, you know, structure to eligibility to he, he's, he's got to kind of start, you know, putting, putting this together. And, and I think that, you know, the same thing is, is Ron Price said a lot in the Senate hearings is like, we haven't figured that out yet. Well, they got to start figuring it out because they, because there's, there's a limited amount of time that, that this can happen. I mean, obviously the, you know, framework agreement expires December 31st. I mean, I was, that, that's an easy extension, you know, with, with, with three signatures, that's an easy extension, but um, he's, he's got to, put more flesh to this and, and be upfront with players about what it means and, and where it's going and why this is the best for the PGA tour, because to date the PGA tour hasn't, hasn't told the membership why this is the best we've, we've been left to, you know, speculate. And, and, and I get it. I, I mean, from a, from a, from a nuts and bolts standpoint, like I see how this is the best for the tour. Um, I'll caveat that with, Given the current inputs, I see how this is best for the tour. Given the landscape of where we are today, given how we got here now, this is now therefore thus the best thing for the tour. It it is not the best thing for the tour in a vacuum, but but we're not living in a vacuum, and we have to take all the inputs that we have. So um, he's got to start putting that case together, and he's going to have to you know talk to people. He's probably got to get Tiger to say something, right? Like I mean, like is that the next move? you know, is, is get Tiger to say something and maybe Tiger's like, well, you got to tell me something before I'm going to say anything. Yeah. I feel, I, I mean, first of all, I, I, the cynic in me, all these guys saying, you got to regain my trust. You got to regain my trust. I feel like that's just posturing for you're going to have to minimum two commas and very, very, very high eight figures. And then I might come around to see that this was the right call. Um, that that's the cynic in me on this. But the the bigger issue that I have, and it's it's from both, right? So everyone's just talking about the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour. You've got Live, their players are in it, and you know if you read the body language since this has been announced, the Live players are jumping off yachts in the Mediterranean. They're having a great old time. They seem super happy. They're, you know, our guy delivered, we're good, good, good. The PGA Tours, you know, half of them look like their dog got run over. People are mad. They're giving all these statements. And and what it comes – and it, everyone just assumes Jay's going to run this thing. Jay was the most incompetent person possible throughout this entire thing. Had he simply taken the meeting to understand and appreciate the risk of what he was – basically sending the tour headlong into this probably could have gone differently. It may not, but at the very least 
he would have been able to accurately assess the threat so the house might not have been on fire so fast and made major changes, positions, who knows, maybe that whole all 22 meeting with rain capital, he talks to those guys and maybe swing something and all this could look different, but none of it happened. And so to me, it seems like I'm completely at a loss as to of all the players on the field, on the chessboard, on the back line, not the, the pawns and the mules up front, but you know, the, the, your, your real players, he was the most incompetent and he becomes the crown jewel of this thing going forward. It makes no sense. If I'm a player, I, I don't want him. He screwed up everything. He had me say things that I now basically have to walk back entirely. He had me saying, it's about legacy. It's not about money. You can't buy my dreams, all these things. Well, guess what? You're going to get a huge chunk of cash. Now go look fans in the play, face and be like, it's not about money. It's about legacy. When you're sitting there saying, I need, you know, my nine figures, my high eight figures that I could have gotten from Liv. And he, there's, I just don't see how he survives this. I just can't see it. And I can't see, even if he does, how anyone, if I'm a sponsor, if I'm anyone else in this, that would be a peer that can take him seriously. Well, I would just counter that. And I will upfront say that, all of the things you raised are, are fair points. I, I will counter how he survives it is that he only has to make five players happy, right? There are only five players in the room that that matter um, as far as those types of things are concerned. And, and you know, so the, and those are the player directors, right? So you have Rory, Patrick, Webb Simpson, Charlie Hoffman, and Peter Malnati. He's only got to make five people happy as far as players three, are concerned. Three of and, those are unlike the other two. Um, Webb, Charlie, and Peter are unlike yeah. Rory and and Patrick. Yes, one hundred percent. In so much as they will not get two commas. Okay, like those three will not get two commas. The first two, if if commas are being given, will get two commas. And you know, so I anyway. That's that's just my take on it. You know, obviously, obviously, Jimmy and and Ed, who's the who's the chairman of the policy board are are good with 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 uh with jay going forward uh and, and then and then you just have five players so I, I we'll we'll see yeah i was gonna say for me the first order of business is literally having a a boardroom conversation where you've got to get all five of those guys as much as the deal the definitive agreement may still be i think george you've speculated it's probably 80 percent there already as well, much as they at- can share with them now They've got to be able to say, guys, this is the deal. It is the path forward. It is given all the inputs we have today, our best path forward. And I need you guys to go now sell this, even though it's incomplete, even though we are building this plane that is rolling down the runway. I need you guys to now represent back to your factions within the tour, why this is the deal that needs to be made. And I think it's it starts with the boardroom and then it extends to the all 22 minus Yako Neiman group to say, hey, Here's why this is going to be a good deal for you guys. Here's how this fund is going to work. Um, and, and they have to try as as mightily as they can in the, in the age of Twitter to actually keep the details under wraps and tell those guys, hey, like you're you're bound by non-disclosure, but I get that you're going to want to talk and you're going to want to like leak stuff. But this thing falls apart the moment when the structure of the deal starts to get leaked and speculated and, and you know, picked apart before it's ever inked. 
well, speaking of the deal changing, they've already had to strike the non-solicitation between the, the tours. Um, and this thing is barely a month old. Then, and, and they I feel mean, I, very confident, George. They feel very confident in the lawfulness of that clause. So, you know, it was just to, um, it was just to quell some of the Department of Justice's concerns. Well, that's great, but it's gone. And and now, granted, um, the the names that have been speculated on most to be in the to be jumping would be tied to the European Ryder Cup team, and so they are probably not going anywhere because the the European Ryder Cup has been very clear that you are you are either a member of our tour or the PGA Tour, but you will not be a member of Live and Play. So a few very big names probably sitting put at least until October. Uh, but I mean, if you look at the, the, the deals that were floating back and forth in the drafts, the ultimate definitive deals are probably not going to look terribly different than that. Cause you could see what everyone was holding as their important pieces and what they were really gunning for. And like and again, I, I you can argue and say, oh, these guys are playing chess. Jay's so weakened; it's so clear the tour has to make a deal. That the closer we get to, you know, September, October, and you said, hey, it's just three signatures. It's an easy extension. It's an easy extension if you want it to be, but if it's, well, I'll get on, I'll sign it, but like, let's button up this and this and this, and we'll leave that for over the new year then that third, third signature gets a little bit more expensive and you know i've been part of deals where you feel like it's coming that way and you just you know and you know who it is in the room and you know who the guy is going to chisel and take the moment and you just are like ah this is where it comes this is where they get that pound of flesh because everyone else is like ah, this is good no let's kick it and they're like mm, you know i just want to revisit this and you're like here it comes and so i Obviously, those drafts are not what the final deal is going to look like. I just don't – I don't know which one, parts and pieces of them. The the final definitive thing, if it is reached and agreed upon, you can probably cobble it together from what was thrown in those drafts. So when I said it's 80% there, I think it's – all the pieces are already there. They're just trying to figure out how to bolt them together and, you know, who's going to take what piece of that. I have no confidence actually that this thing won't get leaked in whole or in part as it's built. And so I just say, as always, grab your popcorn because every week it seems like is a, you know, you expect it to be a quiet week or a week that's, you know, decided by what goes on inside the ropes. And inevitably we get uh, a bunch of rumors, speculation or document dumps that, that give us a lot of talk to talk about outside the ropes. I, I do. And this isn't the one more thing segment, but this is Billy. Has there been anything like rumors, chatter, anything as to what jay has been dealing with what happened like anything at all because i and i threw this out on twitter i think one of the things the tour has to do one way or the other is and we were talking about you don't want it to leak and everything but it has to increase its transparency on some of the stuff a million fold to the players to feel like they trust because so far everything they've been told they just got crazy ivan'd and then Jay disappears and they've been told nothing. So in order to get, I feel like some trust and to get some of that goodwill back in the room, like there's gotta be 
lay it all out. This is what happened. You know, I'm coming to you as my colleagues because it is a player run organization. This is what I was dealing with. I didn't feel comfortable with time, whatever it is. Like I, there's gotta be something more because for this to stay this closed for this long feels maybe like it might not have been so medical. Yeah. Like, like I've said before, I'm going to give Jay the benefit of the doubt on, on it being a true medical thing. Um, and, and try to avoid the, the, the cynic, you know, of, of, of hiding in the basement thing. And, and so, so let's just, let's just assume it's a, it's a true medical deal. Um, there has been nothing is the, is the answer to your question, George. There's been, to my knowledge, there's been nothing to the board. There's been nothing to the players. There's been no rumors that I've heard or, or different things um, that it could be, or that it was, or, or that it, is going to be. I don't know. I, I do agree with you that at least on the board level, like he has to dis- come out and disclose and, and the board should require that of him, that, that he discloses to the board what the situation was. And if he's on any ongoing medicine or if there's, you know, I mean, like these are, these are real things when you talk about leading big companies. And so um, certainly on the board level, I think he owes that to the board and um I think you can make a strong case that he owes it to the players as well. Although I feel just, I feel less strongly that, that he needs to do that with the players for all of the privacy and, and age of, you know, social media kind of, kind of things. So, um, but, but in my opinion, if, if, if I were on the board, that'd be the question I ask him tomorrow, you know, tell, tell me, tell us what was it, what's you know the lingering effects continuing going on like you know how likely is this to happen again like those are real questions the that the board i mean ultimately only the board can can hire and fire the commissioner so the the board needs to know those things and and that's why the timing of this thing is actually you know perfect in the sense of planning it because this is open championship week and the focus for for golf fans and golf media is going to be you know, what's going on in the preparation and once, once balls are in the air on Thursday at Hoy Lake. And so, you know, you could argue he timed it out pretty well because he's got to talk to the board. He's obviously got to, got to make some uh, very, very important calls and have some very, very important conversations, but the, the media scrutiny, the, you know, million watt lumen light bulb is not going to be shining on him as much as it would be in any other week uh, were it not open championship week. And so, that leads us to what is coming up. Obviously, the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool Hoylake. And then the Barracuda is going to have a similar feel to, to this week's Barbasol. Hat tip to Norman Vincent wins in a playoff uh, today. Uh, you'll see a similar field at the Barracuda, given that it's an opposite field event. Um, but someone's going to win a, a PGA Tour event. Someone's going to have a, a very, very big week next year in the opposite field event. So it's always always fun, I think, to watch those opposite field events for both the up and coming players, the the journeymen, see who's going to kind of turn their career around. Uh, but obviously, the the eyes of the world will be on the Open Championship, and we're going to bring you a uh, Open Championship preview here in the coming days. Where we'll dig into the course, players, and and much much more. But boys, this was a fun one to uh, to talk about, and I look forward to seeing you talk about it on the Open Championship preview here coming up. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.